Hello everyone, welcome to Carolyn's Corner. We are so excited. Bree and I have a special guest today. We have uh, Laura Crawford, attorney at law. And could you maybe tell us a little bit about your practice and what you do? Yes, um, I have a estate planning practice in Orange. Um, I started it in 2016. I handle um, putting together wills and trusts, a whole full comprehensive estate plan um, that also does include guardianship paperwork as well. Uh, I do represent families in probate and I can also um, do conservatorship. Okay, great. Thank you. And that is Orange, California. Yes. Too. <laughs> um, okay, so let's just dive right in. I know um, people kind of get a little scared when you start talking about trusts and probate because obviously then you start thinking about, you know, our life. Yes. Right? So <laughs> yes. that is a challenge probably for you in your, your practice. Yes, but, it is. Um, I just thought we could kind of start in with um, what happens if you don't have a trust. So if you, if you do not have a trust um, and you have no other means set up to avoid probate, which I'll kind of touch on in a little bit, then you will have to go through probate. Um, probate is a legal proceeding that's used to wrap up and distribute um, a person's estate. So paying creditors, paying out to beneficiaries. Um, so it's a court process. It's very long. Um, typically takes about one year. Um, Post-COVID, it's even more delayed. Um, so I had I had a probate recently that we, we filed prior to COVID, but post-COVID, it took almost two years wow, to, to actually yeah. pay out. Yeah. And that was a very simple estate, no creditors, no one fighting over things. No, you know, it just as simple as a pro probate could be and still took that long. Um, and so with that comes, you know, your, your accounts are frozen for a while. Family doesn't have access to money. Um, so avoiding probate is a really, really important thing to do for your loved ones. It's already so stressful when you're dealing with a loved one's death to then have to add on the stress of a, of a court procedure. Mm -hmm. um, probate is also very expensive, not only filing fees and other fees along the way, uh, but the attorney actually gets paid a percentage of the estate. And that would be the gross estate, not just what your, your you know, if you have a mortgage for 800000 and your property is worth a million, most people would think, oh, well, I'm a $200,000 estate. Um, nope, that's not how the court sees it. You have a, a, an estate of a million dollars and would have to pay probate fees mm -hmm. in accordance with that. Right. Um, so just to give you guys some numbers, it's 4% of the first $100,000. 2% of the next $800,000, 1% of the next $9 million, and then 0.5 of the next $15 million. Um, so as gotcha. you can see, that adds up pretty quickly. Yes. I think, like, you know, if a, if a estate is worth, like, 700000 700, the fees are going to be about, like, $17,000. Right. Yeah, I had my first dealing with a probate was I got a, um, a lead from somebody online and they were shocked to find out that they did not have, their parents did not have their home in a trust or their entire estate in a trust. And they were all out of area. So they called me, didn't even know who to call. Um, so we, we got, I, I found them an attorney, but they were really shocked that it was gross mm -hmm. because uh, their parents had a mortgage of about uh, 500,000. We ended up selling pretty much the same numbers you were just talking. We sold for about 705 and the, the, it was treated as if it was all, you know, 
growth like mm -hmm. as if they were actually making money off of it and they they weren't yes. So they were very shocked yeah so you could even get in the situation where after the mortgage is paid off you're like having to come up with the funds on your own to right. pay the attorney fees mm -hmm. and then um, the executor is a person who would um, represent your estate so in addition to the attorney you have an executor um, they actually are entitled to that full amount as well just seems stressful. Yes. <laughs> a lot of work. Yes. It is stressful. It's a long process. And it's just, um, you know, yeah. families are already at their worst grieving through a loss. And right. this just adds a whole other layer. Well, I kind of saw because I have been so involved with, with short sales and, and bank owned properties when I started in my career. And it felt like going through a short sale even though it wasn't short mm -hmm. because they had to, they had to supply the family had to supply all this documentation of the, everything all of their entire assets and it was just like when you have a short sale mm -hmm. so it's just a lot of work yes and then something other people don't necessarily think about is um, when something goes through probate you know the the accounts are all frozen because mm -hmm. no one else is able to have access without that court paperwork. Mm -hmm. And that court paperwork, you do get it at some point during during the beginning of the process, but it can take months to actually have access to bank accounts. And meanwhile, there's a mortgage that needs to be paid. And so if you're you know, not fabulously wealthy, which I don't think most of us have the money to pay for our own mortgage and mm -hmm. pay our parents' mortgage, then the property could have the risk of going through foreclosure. Right which I've had that experience as well. And my advice at, to my client at that time, because it wasn't much, um, the mortgage was quite high, is, well, you could just let it go to the bank because mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't yeah. want to do the work. <laughs> yeah, that is tough. Yeah, it is hard. Um, okay, great. Well, thank you for describing how probate uh, works. Have you ever had any experience with probate, Brie? No, Not I yet? haven't. Nope. Okay, well, I'm sure you will at some point. <laughs> yes, fun <laughs> stuff. Well, now we can go into... Um, you know, what do we, what if you have a will? Um, and what happens if you have a will? Like, could you describe the different scenarios with the will? Okay, so this is a, a really big misconception that I come across with my clients is, oh, I have a will, so I'm good to go. I won't have to go through probate. And the will is actually the written instructions for the court. So the will does not avoid probate whatsoever. Yeah. It just, instead of, um, if, you, if you don't have a will, you're, you're considered to have died intestate, and your estate will be paid out to your closest living relatives, whatever level that may be. Um, with a will, you can actually state who should receive what and what amount. So if you, you know, things happen, if you're disinheriting someone, that would be written in the will, where if you died without the will, a person you might not want inheriting something might be the person who's going to get it. Mm -hmm. So with a will, you have a little bit more control. You name who the executor is gonna be, um, you, you name who your beneficiaries are, how much they're getting, what specific items they're getting, but that still all has to go through the court. And it's really the same exact process, mm -hmm. will or no will, time-wise and expense-wise. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you for explaining that. Um, so um, how do we avoid probate? Okay, that's a big question. <laughs> we don't want probate. Um, yeah, there, yeah, so th there's a few, <laughs> a few ways to avoid probate, the first would be holding your property in joint tenancy. Um, so I think you probably see when a, you know, when a married couple or could be siblings, partners, whoever, buy a property, they hold it in joint tenancy. Mm -hmm. And what that means is when the first person passes away, the joint tenant just automatically becomes the sole owner of the property. So you avoid probate on the first death of the first joint tenant. Um, no matter how many joint tenants there are. But once you get to that last joint tenant, if the property is not held in a living trust, 
that person is still going to be, their estate's going to be subject to probate, and that would include that right. property. So if you have a married couple, if we take that in for heaven forbid, you know, plane crash and both are gone, then yeah. Correct, yeah. So, I mean, usually with spouses, I would say you have a little bit of, you know, you're rolling the dice that you're not going to simultaneously die, but as we know, that does happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, you were just counting on that, the last person would then get mm-hmm. their affairs in order, you know, mm-hmm. we, we never know when death is going to happen, unfortunately. Um, and then another thing about joint tenancy, some people have thought like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to add my child as joint tenant. That way I don't have to pay to put a trust together and I avoid probate for myself. Uh, Yes, that's something you can do, but I highly, highly do not recommend it. Um, One, don't want to get into too much tax stuff, but when you, when you sell a property, you, you know, you have capital gains based on what you bought it for and then to what you sold it for. Well, if your child is put on the deed, let's say you bought the property for $200,000 and it's now worth a million, which is really, really... um, that's common. Yeah, with, with property values now, like that's a really realistic scenario. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of your child getting the, vi- the value of the date of your death at a million dollars, selling the property at a million and having zero capital gains, they would then, their, their basis would be the 200000 so then they're paying taxes on that 800000 Right. So it's not advisable. Right. Which their deduction as a single person would only be 250000 So they would have to pay capital gains on the remainder, yes. which would be a lot. Yes. And then creditors can also take your jointly held property. So if your child got in some trouble, got in a car accident, has a judgment, the, the creditor can actually attach that judgment to your property. So multiple reasons why that's not the best idea, even okay. though um, between spouses it's a great way to avoid probate. Um, there is also something called a pay on death arrangement. Um, you know, you, you list, you know, on your bank account, when I die, this account goes to whoever right. you, li- whoever you yeah. list. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that with a deed as well. You can mm-hmm. record a deed sta- saying when this person dies, when yes. I die, this person gets the property. Yes. However, in that, in that case, it really doesn't provide for any contingencies. So if you're, that person predeceases you and you never change it or you die simultaneously, that property is still going to have to go through probate. Okay. Um, so then the best way really is to have a trust. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which <laughs> is why you're here. Too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this is all about. Kids. Yes. <laughs> yes. So with a trust, um, you are creating this um, separate entity called a living trust and you are actually placing all your assets in the name of the trust. So at the beginning, you are the trustor, the creator. You are the trustee, the person who oversees and manages the trust, and you are the beneficiary because you're holding it for your own benefit. Um, once, that, so then you would grant, I would prepare a new deed or you know, someone would prepare a new deed granting the property from yourselves as individuals to yourselves as trustees of your trust. Mm-hmm. You get that recorded and you're trust is funded and the property is then held in the name of the trust. So when you pass away, the next person that you list as your successor trustee would just automatically come in and be able to oversee and manage. Um, And so obviously properties are the big assets that we're talking about, but the same goes with bank accounts. Um, Anything that's over, any estate that's over $166,000 has to go through probate. So basically if you own property, as we're talking gross value, you're going through through probate. Right. And even mobile homes, like Brie and I were talking earlier, I mean, our mobile home values in California are 
equal to that too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Can I cut in really quick? Yes. I do have a question for why people might opt out of going to a trust. Is it a big fee? Um, not when you look at the numbers. <laughs> okay. Um, but yes, it, it, I mean, it's, it's nothing compared to that. Um, it depends on the attorney. My basic package is about $2,500, um, which can be a big amount for people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's some, something that, you know, it's easy to put off. Mm-hmm. We're not all expecting to die tomorrow. But the reality is, you know, we tomorrow's not promised for mm-hmm. us. We right. never know what's going to happen. That's a great question. Thank and, you yeah. <laughs> well, and <laughs> when you look at the numbers, I don't think people realize how much money is going to come out of their estate through probate. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking totally. at it, like you're putting out this small yeah. amount when you're still living versus you're depriving your beneficiaries of mm-hmm. such a huge amount. Definitely. Well, not even just depriving, you're also giving them all this work and, yes. and, and, and potentially trauma because it's traumatizing for people. You know, they're dealing with someone passing mm-hmm. and then they're having to deal with all this financial information yes. too. So yeah. it can be very overwhelming. I would say just court in general, is a stressful situation no matter what you're there for, and we want to avoid it at all costs. Okay. Um, Great. Um, Okay, so um, let's talk a little bit about how trusts then could be um, the different ways you could set it up. You talked about just like the basic, you know, who, who when you're setting it up for yourself, but how you could set it up, you know, as far as having a, a successor trustee rather than having just, you know, multiple trustees. You could explain a little okay. bit about that. Okay, yes. So yeah, when you when you first create your trust, you are encompassing all three roles, trustor, trustee, beneficiary. Um, no one else can ever be the trustor because you are the creator of the trust. Yes. But you do want to name a successor trustee, and that would be the person who would come in and oversee and manage on behalf of the beneficiary. And just because someone's named as the successor trustee does not automatically mean that they are a beneficiary or that they are able to spend these assets for their own personal use. Um, A lot of times, you know, we're, if it's, you know, I work with a lot of families that have young children. And so you're not naming a child as a successor (laughs) trustee, but you're, you're naming your children as your beneficiaries. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I always recommend to list a few people. Just you don't want to constantly run to the attorney to get amendments if something happens to someone listed. Um, so you want to you know, really prepare for as many potential contingencies as possible. So I do recommend if you have a couple names to put a couple names. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can have just an individual trustee or you can have co-trustees. So when you, you and your spouse create the trust, you're initially your Mm -hmm. co-trustees. You know, it can get kind of difficult um, having, making multiple people agree on things, like are we selling the property, are we renting out the property? Mm -hmm. Um, I really just advise whatever is best for your family and your needs. You know, if you have a blended family, you might want one from, one child of one spouse, one child of the other spouse to make sure that they have to agree and are all on the same page. That's a good idea. but, you know, like if you just, there's multiple kids all from the same parents, I recommend just choosing one. So then what happens if they do put all the children? Because I am in that situation. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she can well, speak to this. What happens, and you can also list, like, you can say multiple trustees, but we only require one signature, which if the people get along is good, but if they're not on the same page, you're giving someone the authority just to go do it on their own. Yeah. Um, but it can, it can create some drama because they have mm-hmm. to agree with what's mm-hmm. best. And unfortunately, if they, if they can't agree, you might have to get some court involvement to, 
petition for the for the property to be sell uh, to be sold. Yeah. Okay. Well. Right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that and the interesting thing is, oftentimes the family members don't know that there is a successor trustee or there isn't, and they don't really understand. Right. Mm -hmm. Like in your case, you want yeah. to speak to what no, just happened. No. I, I mean, I am dealing with a close family friend whose mother just passed away and he's the executor of the will mm -hmm. so he thought he was the executor of the trust when it clearly states on the trust but he's not very familiar with them okay that he thought he was going to be it but all siblings are successor trustees so he was like oh they don't have to sign i was like yes they all mm -hmm. actually do and he was like that is going to be yes and yeah so. <laughs> and so normally the trust should state the signature authority but you know, it, it doesn't that. necessarily mm -hmm. always happen. Right. <laughs> Should. And then, yeah, just to, you know, the tr people get executor and trustee conf confused. Yes. The executor is the person who would represent the estate if it had to go through probate or the court process. Um, successor trustee is the person who oversees and manages the trust. Exactly. And ideally, yeah. um, like I usually state that the then acting successor trustee would be the executor if that was necessary. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes they list different people for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who, who knows why, but then that does add a lot of confusion. So can you speak to, because we, we had talked about this a little bit before, um, if you have an executor, because I don't think we had mentioned this, and you do have to go through probate, that the executor actually can um, retain the same amount as yes yeah I think I did mention, did that, mention but that but yeah okay. so that's the, you know those numbers that I read off yeah. earlier double that mm -hmm. I mean the executor doesn't have to take the fees but it is a lot of work so but what about in the case of a trust so with is a trust um, with a trust you can actually um, limit that you can state that the trustee acts for no compensation mm -hmm. or you could state that they would receive reasonable compensation that you know a professional fiduciary would receive so that's based on the size of the estate and what the going rate at the time in your county is um, so generally I see like when it's an adult child being set um, named as a successor trustee for them and their siblings they usually don't get mm -hmm. any compensation and it's kind of like you're the responsible child, or right, you're the oldest right. child, so this is just your It's duty. an honor, people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, my parents named my older sister, and I'm not mad about it, so. <laughs> Even though you're the attorney, that's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, you can list, like, the, the flip scenario if you're, you know, for me, um, whoever is my successor trustee would be holding the assets and managing for the benefit of my, of my girls. Mm -hmm. When it's a family member, you might say, no, like my, my, my mom, my sister would never take money away from my kids. But if you're having to ask a family friend mm -hmm. or someone, it is a lot of work. Right. And so you can list that they should be Certain paid for their, comp for their services. But it's really just dependent on the situation and what what the trustor decides. Gotcha. So, question: If the other siblings were not listed as successor trustees, would they get compensation? No. That is why then. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Good to know. Yes. So, yeah, there there are situations where they you know they might all but if if they're the only beneficiaries and you're getting compensation all of you it's there's no point mm -hmm. really, um, but if it's one person doing all the work for the benefit of multiple people. You know, it just depends on, on how the trustors want to set it up and what's right. best for that scenario. Right. Gotcha. And we hope that we all get along. And that's yes. a big part of it, too. Because yes, if for you sure. are 
if you're working on behalf of, of you know, multiple trustees and there's a lot of dissension and issues going on, it, that's hard. Yes. But of course, you know, family member, the parents never think that their kids are going to be in that situation probably. So they're not really yeah. necessarily accommodating. Yeah. It, I mean, it's just amazing. Like saying going through probate as well, but just, you know, you're already dealing with so much grief mm -hmm. and money and assets bring out the worst in it, people yes. and fighting and people get greedy. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, if the situation is right, it, it, it is preferable to just have one person and that mm -hmm. person makes the decisions mm -hmm. and the other people are just have to go along with what that person said because that's we're following the trustor's mm -hmm. wishes so do you have any interesting stories you want to share with us about you know a trust situation anything i know we we talked a little bit about some probate stories but anything about yeah trust? um for trust nothing too exciting quite yet i think mm -hmm. i haven't been practicing long enough to have like some like really horror story yeah um so far everyone has got along mm, most good. of my trusts are not being administered yet because mm, okay my client I, I've only had one client die okay <laughs> and that was um you know I, I did the grandparents I did the parents I did the mm -hmm. kids the kids were friends from high school mm -hmm. so that all went very smoothly mm -hmm. um so nothing too exciting yet but yeah I you know I, I have seen you know, I've had to review some trust from people mm -hmm. where, you know, dad's getting older and we're afraid that someone's going to come in and take advantage mm -hmm. of him. Right. Caregivers. Because um, that's, or, that's yeah. the scary thing. Yeah. So, you know, right. and there's only so much you can do to protect yourself mm -hmm. um, unless you're going to go to court and state that your, your parent is incompetent and that they can't make any more changes to mm -hmm. their trust. Um, thankfully, no super close stories on that, but mm -hmm. that's, that's something that can happen is people come in and, mm -hmm. you know, try and right. get extra money for themselves or try and get someone pushed out. Um, but yeah. unfortunately said, money brings out the yes, worst people. Oh, yeah. the, the basic trust is revocable, meaning mm -hmm. you can change and amend it throughout your lifetime, which is a really big benefit because mm -hmm. you can make changes and adapt as you okay, grow quick and question adapt. around that then if you do have significant changes, do every single time there is a change, then you would, you would go back to your, um, attorney who Correct. crafted the, the, uh, trusted. Yeah. I mean, you can. Ideally, go back to that same attorney. I've done a lot of restatements, which is actually restating the entire trust. Mm -hmm. um, we recommend like every 10 to 20 years that you review your trust, mm -hmm. maybe yeah. want to restate Renate the terms, um, make it, you know, up updated with the current law. Mm -hmm. It retains the same trust name and, mm -hmm. si and signing date. So you don't have to See go retitle mm -hmm. assets. Gotcha. Uh, but you're essentially writing a brand new trust. Okay. Or if you just decide like, you know, I don't want this person to be my successor trustee anymore, or this person passed away, so I need mm -hmm. to rearrange some things. That would require going to right. an attorney. Your kids are adults now. Correct. And, so they can, and you, <laughs> you can have multiple trusts. You can. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'm not sure what the benefit would be. Depends on the situation. But mm -hmm. ideally, like, if you're, you know, married couple, you're having one trust, unless you have separate property you want to keep, but... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no that's limit. I've seen. Yeah, I've seen well, yeah. separate property. My family yes. does. Yeah. We have these groups of properties in this one mm -hmm. and these in this one because they're just for different family members later. Okay. Yeah, you can set that up. Yeah, my, my grandpa was very generous and set up trust to pay for college. So mm -hmm. there were, nice. he had, you know, mm -hmm. a trust for each grandchild to pay for college. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the trust. Property. Yeah. Yeah, trust can be, um, you know, there's, there's, you know, 
no magic formula in that they don't all look the same. And so you can set them up for so many different reasons and purposes um, and really tailor it to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, like I said, I like to work in as many contingencies as possible to avoid mm-hmm. having my client have to make amendments constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's unavoidable. Like if you have a falling out with a person or right. someone died and you you know, you're to the end of your list of beneficiaries, you might need to go in and make a change. So I have one last question. I don't know if Rhea has another question, but um, what about um, purchasing property in a trust uh, for investment purposes? No, you can also do it as an LLC, but Mm -hmm. under what circumstances would that be beneficial? Um, Just to avoid probate. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no real like tax Mm -hmm. benefits to having in the trust. When it's in the trust, it's treated as your property um, so until it's until it's re- until it's irrevocable it's you know nothing really changes with with the way you treat your assets so mm-hmm. you still have just it's your social security for tax purposes um, so if you want an investment property in an LLC for tax purposes that would be a better choice mm-hmm. um, but you can put investment properties if it's just you know not with other partners it's just you know a separate family home that we have for investment purposes you can put it in your revocable trust Mm -hmm. and then once the once the trustor or trustors pass away then the trust becomes irrevocable and at that point there is some benefit for the for the beneficiaries once it's irrevocable creditors cannot come in and take those funds so so long as things are held in that irrevocable trust if you had um, you know, high credit card debt, or you get in a car accident and have a judgment against you, the money that's held in that irrevocable trust cannot be used mm-hmm. to satisfy those debts. Okay, so irrevocable means can't be changed. Correct. Irrevocable can be changed. Correct. Okay. And so generally people set up an ir- a, a revocable trust at the beginning. You know, you're going to make gotcha. changes. Irrevocable trusts can be set up initially that way. If it's for the benefit of someone else, if you need to then you know, you need to qualify for veterans benefits. Um, it's Medicare, that kind of stuff. You basically, in irrevocable trust, you're kind of locking up all your assets and you actually no longer have access to them. Mm-hmm. So then you can qualify for those benefits and preserve this money for your family. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I was just talking to someone about that actually. Yeah. Just last night. So. Yeah, so in a, the attorney that I first started working for did a lot of trusts mm-hmm. like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, in my own practice, it's, I feel like I, I have a little bit of a younger clientele, mm-hmm. so we're not quite not to there. that point yet. Um, so primarily revocable. But yeah, okay. once you pass away, the, the trust door passes away, no one else can make changes to the trust. So gotcha. it becomes irrevocable. Gotcha. Okay. Set cool. in stone. Yep. Very cool. Well, I think this has been really informative, and hopefully all of you have gotten a lot out of this. And you now know if you don't have a trust, please go get yourself a trust. <laughs> because none of us want to be handling your probate. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. No. We'll do it, of course. We love you, but we prefer we'll have not a headache. To. <laughs> um, I do have one thing. Can mm-hmm. you shout yourself out? Like where you can find you, like yes. Instagram, um, like everything? You know, I don't have business. Inst- this is something that I need to get on, and maybe yes. you're going to be the push. Um, but at this point, my email, lauracrawfordlaw at gmail.com. Um, you can always contact me on my cell phone. Um, let's okay. stick with email maybe All on right. the podcast. Okay. <laughs> you email me, and then I'll give you my cell phone number. Okay. Um, but, yeah, that's next on my to-do list is to expand my social media presence. Yes. All right. Great. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next time on Carolyn's Corner. Thank you.